Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. I'm really excited about having this awesome chick guest on our show today, Tara Garrison. She's a ketogenic diet specialist, personal trainer, mom of four, and a Boston marathoner. She also has a great podcast called Inside Out Health with Coach Tara Garrison. She has a holistic approach to healing, really knowledgeable in a variety of areas, has a wonderful Instagram page. Of course, we'll put everything to connect with her in the show notes, but lots to talk about today, lots of juicy stuff. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor, Elle. So I'll tell everyone, um, such a superficial thing, but girl crush, because I was at, the reason I even met Tara is because I was at FitCon Summit in Salt Lake City uh, to speak uh, in April of 2019. And I I was like, who? I, I looked at this woman. I'm like, this badass, amazing, beautiful, incredible body, a body to die for, one that you look at and you go, wow, that really, to me, looks like the pillar of health. And such a superficial comment coming in there. And I get that because it's more than that. But but honestly, so striking. If anyone looks up Tara, you, you'll be just as amazed. She should be on the cover of like every single like, health magazine. <laughs> really should. Aww, thank you, but, but But listen, you weren't always. No. Yeah. So So what happened? How'd you get here? All right. So, I mean, in a nutshell, as a child, I was always chubby, right? I was always big and not like huge, but definitely chubby. And, you know, all growing up, like that was a struggle. And then I had four kids. I have four kids. So it was like, you know, get really big, try to lose weight, try to run marathons, go to all the workout classes at the gym, kind of get there, but not really, you know? Um, and after my fourth, I just could not lose the freaking weight couldn't. And I was running, I was like, I'll just run more. I'll just run further. I'm running full marathons. And I was like about 175 pounds and I was going to all the workout classes. And finally I was like, you know what? Something's got to give, something's got to give. And I actually quit going to like the big, you know, the big fancy gym with the daycare and all that stuff. Um, because I was tired of taking time away from my kids. And so I started lifting weights. I put my kids to bed at night. I joined the $10 gym down the street and all they had was treadmills and weights. And I was like, all right, <laughs> I guess I got to start lifting weights. Cause it's like the only option here and, um, changed the game for me, changed the game. Not only did I get the fittest, but I got more fit than I ever thought I would. Um, I got really fast with running too. And that was super cool because as I actually decreased the amount of cardio and running that I was doing, I actually got faster as a runner. I lost the weight and I did do like a pretty paleo approach, low carb paleo approach. Um, and well, let, let me interject just, on the running. Yeah. Do you think too? I mean, I'm, I, and again, I don't have your level of knowledge because you're a personal trainer and you really have been certified by the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Yeah. I am no, not that person. But it would seem to me that with the strength training, the muscles you need to sprint and run, right? It's supporting being better at that, no? Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm still not light, right? I'm not a light person. I did get down to like 135 pounds. And I've <laughs> actually built that up to about 150 pounds because I love lifting now. Um, but I, I have functional muscle, right? Like my, the, the weight or functional weight, the weight that I'm carrying, it's actually really funny. So after 
I started noticing I was getting faster. I, I randomly ran a half marathon and blew my PR out of the water. And I had been running marathons and half marathons for years. I was like, Whoa, I am fast now. And so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to qualify for Boston. And there was a full marathon, like three weeks away. So I had three weeks to go from 13 miles to 26 miles. Right. It was, it was kind of stupid, right? Like <laughs> not the best right. training in the world, but I was like, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. So I ended up qualifying for Boston with 17 minutes to spare when I had been stuck, I had been stuck around 3:44, and I finished in 3:17. And what I wanted to say was I almost, I almost got first in my age group. A woman passed me on the last mile. And what I love about this, I got to find the picture somewhere because she was your quintessential marathon runner. Very, 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 very tiny, right? Um, Probably less than a hundred pounds. And as we stood on that podium, she barely beat me. You know, she passed me on the last mile. And as we stood on that podium, I just look huge. I look like an enormous person (laughs) next to her. But I thought, isn't that amazing? Like we almost finished in the same time because this isn't just fat. This isn't just weight that's carrying me down. It's actually functional muscle that's pushing me. Um, So, you know, I ran that in like a seven something pace for 26 miles. Um, And I I do believe that resistance training, right? I, I trained like in a resistance, um, sorry, an endurance stimulus when I was lifting weights. Right. So what I mean by that is I was like doing high reps as heavy as I could. Right. So really training the muscles for endurance. So yeah, it was, it was a game changer for me. And obviously there's like way more to the story than that, but that's kind of it on the, on a surface level. <laughs> Let me get into one of the things you said there. So in talking about, you said high rep at the highest weight you could. So what would then preclude, like, for example, let's say, someone took just, we use it like say someone took a 15 pound weight, but they could only lift three times. Then you would say, nope, scrap that because the, we want to do the high reps. So you get to the weight where that is. Well, the, the, what it depends on is what, what is the purpose? What's the intention? So if I was trying to build strength, like I wanted to be explosive, let's say I did want to run a, um, a sprint or I wanted to throw a shot put really hard or hit a baseball really hard, then yeah, I would want to go as really, really heavy and only like three reps for four reps, maybe that's, that's to build strength. What I wanted to build was muscular endurance. So in that case, yes, like I would want to make sure the weight wasn't so heavy that I couldn't get up past that 10 rep range. So this, they call this a metabolic stimulus, right? And women, we love this. And so this is when we love to get in the gym and sweat, 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 burn calories, like go, go, go. That's why a lot of women don't lift weights because they're like, Oh, I didn't get a workout, right? Like they just are so addicted to that hot, sweaty jump in a workout class for 60 minutes straight. And I did that. I did that for so long and I wouldn't humble myself. It ruined me. Yeah. It ruined me too. It's, it, it's, it becomes so glycolytic and repetitive. Yes. And it it just, it, yeah. And you somehow adapt to it and then it feels like that's the thing that should be. And it's so funny because that's just not my life now. In fact, I've had to go the opposite direction too, like you did. And where I was like, all right, I really need to get more into weights. And (laughs) man, the chronic cardio thing, it's, it's still, People are addicted to that and I get it, but there's a better way. There's a better way. Yeah. I'm like, would you rather have to come here every single day and burn those 250 calories? Um, because you're not really burning that much because you don't have that much muscle mass. That's why your husband is probably burning a lot more calories than you in that class. Cause he has a lot more muscle mass. Right. So it's like, do you want to come here? and have to burn that 250 calories every day? Or would you rather just be able to burn it all the time because you built muscle? 
you know, to use. I, so I honestly, I honestly have to say that, like it, like you said, it is a much better life. Like, do you have to? I the time you put in, and it's kind of stressful, yeah. especially when you're sugar burning, doing all this kind of cardio. It's I get so much more, and almost like the most instant amazing results when I literally do a 10 or 15 minute with maybe one and a half or two minute in between little sprint sessions and I might only sprint for 20 seconds okay super high fast and then doing like a 20 to 30 minute like you know full body kind of weight little overall situation oh my gosh that's like my favorite day and that took so much less time than I used to like it it's so it seems counterintuitive but it's not Exactly. That, that intensity, right. To not be afraid to get to those intensity levels is a game changer. That's exactly what I did this morning. L2. I was doing some man makers and some kettlebell swings and some sprints. And, um, but what I will say is like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I went from marathon runner, mommy, Zumba class lady to bodybuilder overnight. Right. It took some humbling. And that's the thing that like, I think that we as women are afraid to do because we get self-conscious. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm telling you, I was not a trainer when I got fit and I did not know what I was doing. I had a friend who I knew was a personal trainer. And I said, how do you lift weights for your arms? Like, I really didn't know. And she described to me and showed me, she said, we were standing in my backyard. She's like, oh, I go like this. And then I go like that. And I'm writing on paper, lift arms out to sides, lift arms out to front, right? <laughs> like, I don't know what they're called. And I did that same arm workout for three months because I had that gym phobia. I was like, I don't even know what exercises are. Are people watching me? nobody's watching you. Nobody cares. Only you care, right? And our ego, the reason I bring this up is because our ego stop us from getting the results that we want. Everything we want in life is on the other side of our ego. (laughs) And so for me, it was like that humbling moment of having to be like, yeah, I'm going to be the suckiest one in the room at this for a little bit. But as I finally caught on, it got better and better as it went on. And then all of a sudden it's crazy. L it's crazy to me to be on the primal blueprint podcast right now and have L Russ tell me that she thinks I should be on magazine covers <laughs> as a chubby girl all growing up, you know, it's like, what? And that came because I was willing to humble myself and learn something new and get outside of my rut and my routine and try something different. And that's why I'm so passionate. This is why I went into training because I was like, women got to know what this feels like. This is amazing. I eat so much food. (laughs) Like I'm never hungry. I don't count my calories or track or do any of that. I just get to eat and be active and express my power. And it's amazing to feel strong as a woman, you know, and it definitely was led to a spiritual awakening for me too, which we can talk about. But, um, I just, I think like women, women need to explore this because we weren't raised in gym class. We didn't go to gym, like weightlifting class in high school. Maybe like one woman listening to this did that, not the rest of us. So like, we all are in that boat. We all have to humble ourselves and learn how, but I think it takes us back to nature. Like if we lived out in the wild, we would be stronger. (laughs) We would have to be. And so like our bodies need that. And so now to adapt to our modern world, we need to get our butts in there and lift some weights so we can feel strong and have longevity and have a good metabolism and all these things. So very passionate about that. Yeah, no, I, and it's also because, you know, I spoke to a personal trainer, Holly Perkins, who's been on the podcast and I talked to her a while back and I just, I, I needed to get motivated and hear from her and you about that. Because again, like 
I, I would I would do like two hour hikes, whatever. Nothing would change. <laughs> and you'd think the time you put in, damn it, the fucking time. And it doesn't it doesn't deliver. Unfortunately, the lifting the weights freaking delivers. It delivers. totally delivers. And the sweaty part literally can just be a quick sprint session. That's no time out of your damn life. It's literally like three songs. Okay. It's, right. So, you know, it's, 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 it's hard sometimes though, because again, like the social construction of the, the, you know, even Mark talks about it all the time with, you know, they thought back in the day, and this is why all those guys have dropped dead or have heart problems, which is, Hey, the, the harder you work this heart muscle and running and jo- the more miles you clock in, the longer you live. Turns out the heart nope. doesn't <laughs> like to be overworked <laughs> yeah. like that. And now they have pacemakers or AFib and you know, they're going, wait a minute. So, so yeah, it's really important to do the weights and you don't get huge, you get lean. Not everyone needs right. to aspire to the same levels, but I have rarely seen women at my gym. And there's, look, I'm in Southern California. There's a lot of really fit people here. And I see what these women are doing. And I see Carrie, anyone could just Google, Google Carrie Sisson at 64 and take a look at her freaking body. And she's doing heavy weight. She mostly weights. She does a couple sprint yeah. sessions a week, but she's mostly weights. And I've seen her at the gym too. And she does higher level stuff that most people would think, oh, I'm going to get too big or no, it's, yeah. it's, it's impossible. Right. Could we talk about that? Cause there's this fear people have of women. Okay. Yes. Thank you. I talk about this all the time because, okay, now that I've been lifting really consistently for about five or six years. And I mean, I, I found out that I'm what you might consider a mesomorph. I found out that apparently I build, must build muscle a little bit more easily than other people because I actually have to like back off. Like I would be very, very, very muscular if I tried or wanted to. Right. And so, um, for me, I'm like, I have been going hard at this. Like I, I, I'll be honest. I don't see anybody in the gym working as hard as I can. And you can ask anybody in my gym. Like they're like, dang girl, you're going crazy. Right. So I, I know that I'm putting in effort, like an extreme amount of effort to build muscle. And I still, am like, I would consider just like fit, you know, I'm not like, I don't look like I'm going to like <laughs> eat a man for no, dinner or no. anything like that. No. Right. And so when women come to me, I, a lot of times I'll say like on our initial client client call, well, I want to build muscle and like, you look great, but like, I also just, I don't want to get too muscular. And I just, I laugh, <laughs> I laugh. I'm just like, You're like saying, I don't want to be as badass as you actually. I just <laughs> want to be a little bit level below. It. I was like, I want to see you try. I want to see you try <laughs> because, um, it's, I'm like, I, I always joke about it. I'm just like, girl, as if like, it is so hard to build muscle. There are so many women out there that actually really want to look muscular and they can't get it. Like they're trying so hard. They're like eating all the protein and lifting all the weights and their like life revolves around it and they still can't develop that muscle. So when we, as women come in and we say, Oh, I don't want to get too muscular. I say, girl, as if, as if try, let me see you try to get too muscular. Cause it's not as easy as you think. There are women that do this for years. And the thing is, it is, you're absolutely right. It make, gives you that lean athletic, that the, the look they want what they don't realize is only going to be achieved by lift resistance training and lifting weights <laughs> that lift that, that like ath- athletic toned look toned 
refers to muscle tone. And if you don't have any muscle, you're not going to have any tone. So you've got to lift some weights. And then the beauty of it is that it speeds up your metabolism. So it stays so much easier to be lean. Like I seriously, sometimes I wish there was like a video in my house, like a reality TV show. So women could see how much food I actually eat. Like it's a lot. And I'm about 15% body fat. I'm not, I don't have any goals or specific, you know, it's this is maintenance for me now. And it's a gift that I have given myself through the hard work of building muscle. Yes. Uh, let's get into a little bit. Well, let's talk keto. You, uh, for a second, you've oh, yeah. done a couple experiments online where on uh, your social media, where you've used your keto and then you're like, Hey, I'm going to do a carb experiment kind of switch this around and posting your results. There definitely are a keto coach and a coach in a variety of capacities. Of course, not everybody who, uh, needs help with their health. Who, uh, Tara can help you not be keto too and achieve it. <laughs> Um, yes. but where, uh, and also, yeah, shout out to Drew Manning because he just developed yeah. a, a franchise. So tell us a little bit about that and, and then we can get into your thoughts on keto. Okay. Yeah. So Drew is a good friend of mine and, um, I actually spent this ended in March, but I, the, for a year before that I was working with Drew, um, on the fit to fat to fit brand. And then he reached out to me recently. He just started a franchise, which is kind of cool. Um, they're doing, the model is like, instead of just being a fit to fat to fit certified trainer, you actually become a franchise owner, which means that they will funnel you clients, right? So it's kind of a business in a box. So people who are looking for like a, a Drew Manning type trainer, somebody who has empathy and kind of gets it, can put themselves in your shoes. Um, that's what Drew's all about. Um, then you can get, they, they can find a fit to fat to fit certified trainer in their area. And then that becomes like a referral system for you as a, as a trainer. So really, really fun. Um, we did like a, if people aren't familiar with Drew Manning's, um, fit to fat to fit experiment, he was this like ripped and shredded personal trainer who intentionally got fat and gained 76 pounds in six months and then lost it all again in the next six months. And he did that by um, no exercise and eating a standard American diet. He wasn't going crazy. He wasn't eating like donuts all day. He was just eating like a typical American diet, um, like cereal for breakfast, granola bars, and maybe some Mountain Dew for a snack, um, <laughs> sandwiches and chips for lunch, spaghetti for dinner with some brownies after, you know, <laughs> typical American diet gained 76 pounds in six months. Um, so through that experiment, what he learned was how hard it is. You know, he doesn't sit, try to say he knows how hard it is to be lifelong obese or anything like that. But he did understand like how tired you are and how depressed you can feel and how down you can feel and how addicted you get to those foods. So anyway, that's Drew. And um, that was really cool to be able to do that. So now I'm one of the fit to pet to fit uh, certified coaches. So if anybody's looking for an empathetic coach, I, I guess I'm empath empathetic now. <laughs> oh yeah. And we'll get to other ways you are empathetic as well. So where, where are you now in the carb experiment for you personally? Okay. Yeah. So, um, to give a little background when I, when I initially lost weight, um, when I was lifting weights, I actually got down to 11% body fat. I did not know that I was that lean. Um, I, for some reason on me, my body, it just doesn't really look that lean. I was very surprised. So that was right when I started keto. So when I started keto, I intentionally wanted to boost my body fat. That's a little low in my opinion for a woman. And so I really achieved, <laughs> I kind of overdid it with the keto desserts and the 
creamy sauces and the bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers. And I gained four, sorry, in four months, I gained 10 pounds of fat on keto. <laughs> so you can do that. And people are always like, mm-hmm. can you gain fat on keto? I'm like, yes, you absolutely can. Yep. <laughs> Let me show you how. You just eat more <laughs> fat than you're burning. And yes, that's exactly, exactly what happens. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, so then I stayed keto for about, um, a year and a half, a little over a year. And then I transitioned into low carb. And what was interesting is when I transitioned back to low carb, which means I was eating about 20% um, carbohydrates instead of the ketogenically five, you know, 5%. Um, I actually leaned out quite a bit. And that is really my sweet spot because I have so much muscle mass, because I do a lot of high intensity interval training, um, having a little bit more carbohydrate support is optimal for me. So um, so for you, and it's different for everybody, but when for you in your day, or, or what are you looking at in terms of, is it like between what, 50 and 100 grams of carbs, 50 and eight, like where, where do you notice that for you. Yeah, I, I'm in it. I'm very intuitive with my eating, right? Like I really, I'm Mm -hmm. like walking around the whole foods. I'm like, what do you want body? Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that. Right. So, um, if I, the, my approach is this, if I feel like I need carbohydrates, then I'll have them. If I don't really feel like I need them, I don't. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Also the intuitive approach. So once you get cleaned up in your body and mind and everything and go down this road, at some point it does become very intuitive. And listen, I think it's important. Like if you're just craving cucumbers for Mm -hmm. five days, like do it. And you know, I'm the same way too. And I, it's hard for me to, even though I keep a lot of great frozen meat and fish in my freezer, it's, I can't be the person that shops and plans food for the week. I'm like, I don't know, but Wednesday I might be craving fish eggs right. and like salmon. I don't, I don't know. That's exactly. what, what well, I and I love the examples that you gave because if you're craving healthy things, honor that, honor that. If you're craving McDonald's, there's something else going on, right? But yeah, then it's then something. Yeah, then you got a nutrient deficiency. Something's <laughs> That's called stress eating. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if you're you know walking around the produce department and arugula just sounds crazy good. You better eat some arugula, you know? So, um, to answer your question on the carbohydrates when I'm, you know, it's, it fluctuates, but I'd say I'm probably somewhere typically around like the hundred, maybe 125 grams of carbs a day. Um, some days it's like ketogenically low. I mean, it's like just maybe some leafy greens, right? So somewhere around there, um, my approach is like the in and out of ketosis, right? So I think that we should be, this is my approach on keto. I do not think people should be keto forever unless they have some, some sort of need medically, something that their particular host of complexities and their body needs that everybody else. It makes no sense in my opinion to be ketogenic forever. We have, we have a system in our body that runs off glucose. We have a system in our body that runs off ketones. So we better be able to do both, or that should be the goal of a healthy metabolism. And Mark talks a lot about metabolic flexibility. And honestly, I had not heard him talk about that when I had already created this keto in and out idea. And I felt so validated. I heard him at metabolic health summit and I was like, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It was so much fuel to my fire. I was just like, yes, I finally, I found my people. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm all about metabolic flexibility. Like we should be able to go into a state of ketosis when our body runs out of carbohydrates. And then we should also be able to eat carbohydrates without our bodies freaking out. And this is something I could go on all day about. Cause I'm, I'm almost more because I'm in the keto community. Like what lights me up right now is when people feel like they can't ever have carbs again. Um, I think that there is starting to become a phobia 
of carbohydrates. I think that there are things people aren't really admitting. I think that they're afraid that they'll get fats if they eat carbs. Um, I know some people aren't as carb tolerant as others and some need to keep, do need to keep it very low. Right. But, um, there's things to look out for. Like if you're bringing carbohydrates back in after you've been keto for a while, one is you're going to retain some more water. Just like, you know, you lost water weight when you went keto, you're going to hold in water a little better when you have carbs Two, you've got to wait for your gut bacteria, your microbiome to evolve to this new macronutrient ratio, just like you did when you went keto. And three, there's actually a, a study I was reading just yesterday where they had some rats go ketogenic for eight weeks. And after the eight weeks, they injected them with insulin and they also did an experiment in which they fed them a very high carbohydrate meal. And they found that the rats that had been ketogenic for eight weeks had a much harder time um, bringing their blood sugar down than the cats who had been on the, or the rats that had been on the regular chow. So, um, and their, their insulin levels remained higher too. And so what they're, but what they noticed is that after two weeks of going back on a regular chow diet, then they handled the carbohydrate meals just fine. So what I gather from that is there's a little temporary time that your body is going to be maybe less insulin sensitive if you've been keto for a while, but that will regulate if you just, you know, people say, just stick with keto. You just got to stick with it. It's hard in the beginning. And I feel like the lone voice out there sometimes in the keto world being like, yeah, just stick with it when you bring carbs back in too. I'm not saying ton of carbs. I'm saying like, have a teeny bit of sweet potato when your eggs scramble or have a little bit of berry, a little more berries tomorrow, you know, stuff like that. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about this too for women because, um, women are so hard on themselves with their weight so hard and they are terrified of gaining a pound. And if carbs are now related to gaining body fat, they don't want anything to do with them, right? And so um, I think it's really important that we be able to manage our um, our diets in a way that's optimal for our bodies without fear, right? And so like having a little bit of carbohydrate, there is benefit to that, to the body. I mean, come on now. We wouldn't have bodies that run off glucose if we weren't ever meant to have it. So that's my thought. Right. Yeah, and I, I I so agree with all of that. And but like you said earlier, there are a few caveats. Yeah, right? absolutely. There's certain health issues. Certainly. You know, it can be epilepsy, cancer. There's lots of things where a traumatic brain injury, where metabolically that person kind of has to stay in that state for a variety of reasons. So you know, we're not talking about those. We're talking about your average person who just yeah, wants to be healthy. Yes, I'm talking about the average person, absolutely. Yeah, and I work. You know, I work with a lot of hypothyroid clients, and that's been really interesting. Um, to see how their bodies respond differently. And every single person is different. That's why when I hear nutritional dogma, I think you must not work with people one-on-one because if you worked with people one-on-one, you would know without a doubt that not, that no approach works for everyone. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Yes. Cause there are some people, you know, autoimmunity, there's different cases for, to stay keto long-term. Absolutely. And I do have clients. Yeah. And, and on random, like, you know, in the carnivore is such a big thing. I'm doing a, a brief experiment with it just, for oh, moment, but, nice. but, but there's a, but there's a lot of people who, um, there are some people, including a client of mine who with autoimmunity issues, it's the only way to go. And thankfully, she actually runs a grass-fed ranch. So that works out really well for nice. her to be, to be a carnivore. But for some reason, you know, and again, she's just, again, one of those people where for autoimmune for her or it's cancer or epilepsy for another, it's appropriate yes. to be in that state constantly. Other than that, it is what you are talking about. It's, 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 
I guess when you know when Mark refers to keto, he's referring to a state in and out, and you're flexible, and you don't get eat the damn apple and the blueberries. I said that on a panel once. Where I was like, sometimes you just have to eat. Come on, eat like sometimes just eat the apple. Like you're not going to have a meltdown. Right. Uh, I wouldn't go straight from keto to like a whole pie. You might get right. Well, you'll just probably pass out in a couple hours. Or absolutely. Um, but anyway, let's transition on into you know. I, we were talking a little bit before the show, and I wanted to bring up you had a very emotionally triggering for all who read it uh, Instagram post. It was very vulnerable and very open about some past traumas in your life. And we do know, and I've known several people who have even gotten thyroid problems because of traumatic experiences or other health issues that are triggered. There are so many insane stories through Joe Dispenza about mm-hmm. some people with so horrifically debilitated, like down to tumors in their body, and then literally changing their mind and their spirituality changed that. So we know mm-hmm. mind has a place with body. So if you don't mind, can you share what you shared with people on social media about your journey? Sure. Yeah. So, um, my, my story, and I'll say like, I shared this because I work with people one-on-one and you know, when you're a health coach, you're kind of a therapist, <laughs> an unqualified therapist. Right. But maybe not because I've, I've worked through so many things in my life um, that I'm I'm grateful for them because it does help me have that empathy when I work with people one on one. And what I noticed is that when I talk to people about their mentalities, I recognize in them a lot something that I recognized in myself even up to about a year and a half ago, and that is a victim mentality, whether they want to admit it or not, a victim mentality about the hard things that they've been through in their life. And um, I definitely was there. Definitely. I've had so many things where I, you know, usually when you go through something, that's part of the natural process of like, wow, I'm a victim. I feel powerless in this. But, you know, what I said at the end of the post, I mean so much. And that's that even if, even if you were a victim, even if society agrees you were a victim, yep, absolutely. If you go around feeling victimized, you will never be able to stand in your power. So you've got to get to a place where you can see that everything that happened in your life happened for you and not to you. So that is the attitude that I have now when I look back at my childhood. So, um, like I was a little hesitant to share it, not, not because I was like worried what people would think. Cause I'm an open book. I'm probably too open. Like when I talk to people one-on-one, I'll tell them my whole life story. I don't care. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't that it was just that like, I didn't want to like use it for attention or I'm like, does it really even matter? And then when I was talking to clients and friends so much, I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to share this. Cause I just want to say like, Hey, like I, I just want to be one voice to say that I'm very, very grateful for all the crap that's happened in my life. So for me, it started, you know, as a child, as a little kid, I was the youngest of five kids. My parents were divorced and, um, my mom, like bless her heart. I love my mom so much, but I do believe that she has like some undiagnosed mental illness. And so that was hard in and of itself, um, as a little kid, because, you know, anybody who can relate knows what I'm talking about. You just don't understand. You don't have the awareness or the skills to know how to handle like accusations and delusions and anger. And, um, so that was hard, but more what was hard was I was also sexually abused my whole childhood. Um, there was a lot of physical and emotional abuse. My mom was so busy going back to school and working that she was just kind of like gone all the time. And I think she was also just overwhelmed with the whole situation. So 
home life was just very chaotic. Like the house was always a mess. Like there was not a lot of supervision. Um, on top of it, we were really, really poor. So I always joke like when people were like, Oh I, yeah, I was poor too. I'm like, mm hmm. <laughs> Cause, um, we, I'm like, unless you were eating out of unlabeled cans of food that were expired the last two years of high school, I don't know if you were really poor. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, that was the case. Like my sister came home from college. I remember and just started crying when she saw that. Cause it just stirred up so much emotion for her from our childhood. But yeah, we were always very, very poor and barely had food. You know, I, I'm so grateful. People see me now on Instagram and I miss pasture raised, grass fed, like food quality and, you know, (laughs) making all this wonderful food. And I don't know if they'll ever know the gratitude that I have to be able to eat that way because so much, so often in my childhood, I would just open the fridge and it would just be like condiments, you know, there's no food in there. So I absolutely know what it's like to go hungry, to like cry as a little girl because you're so hungry and there's just not going to be any food, you know? I mean, so the gratitude that I feel, I don't feel sorry for myself for that. I feel grateful that I went through that because that's life experience that brings me joy now as an adult. I'm like, I will never, ever not be grateful for food. Um, also I think, um, you know, there, there's been so much in my life that I could have, um, called a trauma, kept it as a trauma story in my heart forever. Um, I was raised Mormon and one thing I'm very great. I am very grateful for the Mormon church because they did provide us with food sometimes growing up. And if it wasn't for them, I would have gone hungry a lot more. Um, but when I was a about 30, this is like four years ago, about 32, I realized, I found out that the Mormon church was not what I believed it to be. And at that time, my whole world was Mormon. Um, and I don't know if people can really understand this unless they've been in a very dominating religion, but I, I lost my entire social network when I walked away from that. Yeah. That you're like shunned. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know anyone in my whole, and I'm, I'm social, right? Like I'm very outgoing. My ex-husband was too. And so like, I had a huge social network, girls nights, girls trips, like all of it, the bit having dinners at our house and all that. I lost everyone. Like I went from very rich social network to zero. Um, and And a few months after that, I decided that I could finally get out of my marriage that I didn't want to be in anymore. And that took tremendous courage. (laughs) Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot to go through. And then right after that, I landed myself a nice narcissist, um, who saw me coming and all my little codependent classic (laughs) ways, classic, classic. Right. And, um, yeah, I lost everything. I lost everything in that relationship. I walked in with a lot. I walked out with just the stuff in my car and not a freaking dollar to my name. Right. Like it was, it was, it was a lot, you know, and, but I'm so grateful it happened because this is, this is what I think like life, you know, you've probably heard this, but life will keep the universe or your guides or God or whatever you believe in. will keep teaching you the same lesson over and over until you get it. And and by the way, it'll bring you a tester too. So it's funny because I talk about that in my new book, um, which is that whole phenomenon of you, you, you got to, figured out first this pattern on the common denominator, then you get over it. But at some point, 
you will get a tester situation. You'll get yeah. like a little tester that'll be like, wait, you sure you learned this one? Yep. Okay, just checking. <laughs> you know, that, that might pop up too, even when you think you've gone beyond yes, it. So yes. uh, I've, I've noticed that. Yes, absolutely. That's, that was exactly my experience. And I was kind of, I was really grateful, you know, I'm like, you know what, I'm grateful that I landed in this relationship with this like textbook, you know, like I kind of hate saying it. Cause I, I feel like it makes me sound like some bitter ex-girlfriend or something, but my friends are like, no, no, no. Like it was really, really bad. It was really manipulative. And, and I'm glad it was so bad because if it had just been like kind of bad, I may have never gotten it, (laughs) but it was so bad that it it was undeniable. And I was like, wow. And that I was like, I, here I was, I thought I was all in my power. I had left Mormonism and I had left my marriage and it took so much courage. And I thought I was this powerful, courageous woman. And I, what, I wasn't like in my power at all. And that was, you know, those were the thoughts spiraling through my mind, but I was so grateful because when you get to that low, you're like, okay, I got some freaking work to do. I've got some work to do, you know, and that helped me to reach out and start working with someone I still do. Um, I went on a huge personal development journey. I'm still on, I'm obsessed. I can't be stopped. And it's been so amazing to finally get in my power and realize that no one's going to save me. No one really cares about the quality of my life as much as I do. So it's up to me to create what I want my life to be, right? And to be self-aware enough to know how to change. So it's been it's been a pretty magical journey. Um, I'm grateful that I've had all the the pains that I've had in my life because they've just made me a resilient badass mother effort. <laughs> right. So I'm like, yeah, I'm super, super, super grateful. Like I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think that's why we're here. That's my opinion. I think we're here to be challenged and grow challenge and grow. We love that. We live for it. We live for it. We love it, you know? And so we can either choose to wallow in our misery and crawl up in a little ball and feel sorry for ourselves. Cause life is hard and think that we're the only ones going through crap. Or we can say, what's to be learned here. What's to be learned here. How can I grow? Okay. How can I make sure this doesn't happen again? Right. So I, I love it. I love a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and then also too, as you go down the process and the challenges get, they're become more little road bumps instead of hitting a brick wall, you know? Yeah. Um, because you realize that you're the common denominator in some of this stuff. And I would probably, I mean, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like, you know, from what I know of your story too, you know, you can also take the actions, like you can do the pro thing, like, okay, I need to get out of this relationship or I need to leave this church or, or whatever that is. But if you still haven't dealt with some unresolved yeah. stuff, yep. then the actual action, like the action is bold as fuck and awesome in and of itself. Right. And it has to happen to move forward. But then that's probably why you ran into the narcissist. Because like, exactly. you, needed, you needed to get smacked to go, hold on a minute. We got like deeper work to do than just moving a location or getting a divorce decree, right? You know, right. And, and, and so even, so there's like levels of strength that you build, but you always have to do the self-work. You have to do the self-examination. Um, and, you know, you're reaping the benefits of it now. And I really, um, I think it's, I think it's, I think- I, there's, there's no victims, only volunteers. Oh, and yeah, when exactly. I say that people are like, people are like, okay, you know, I didn't ask to get mugged on the subway last week. Really? You think that I look, I, no, we can all be a victim of some horrific event, of course, but there's meaning in it somewhere. And you can either choose to simmer in right. that past and continually create that future of that right. negativity or move out of that and see what there is to, to, become something from that. And you've done that. And I think it's really great, too. And a lot of people with weight issues, you know, people who have uh, trauma, 
um, and this is part of their body image and or it's just their weight. You know, there's people that, right, have been so hurt in the past. Part of eating disorders can be to pad themselves up, make yourself subconsciously not attractive and or keeping yourself away from people. There's so many ways in which food is abused that is attached to things. We just need to look at and delve deeper. And you can only do that with yourself because like you said, same thing with the thyroid stuff when I talk about it is no one cares more about you than you, period, end of story. So if someone diagnosed you with something, you better That's become right. That's right. <laughs> and you don't have to write a book on him, but you better right. start looking and got to become an expert in yourself. But I'm so grateful that you shared that to everyone too, because again, you know, you're looking at your smiling, beautiful face and body and health and all this stuff. And it, it, that's, that's wonderful. But people might not also realize like, there's a lot that came before that. And that stuff is really valuable to connect with people on because everyone listening has had some kind of something. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I love that you pointed out it's what we learned from it. And, you know, you mentioned Joe Dispenza and that's, I'm a huge Joe Dispenza fan and I listen to, you know, his books and meditations and I'm always geeking out on his stuff. And one of the things that he's really helped me become is the BS police on my own brain. Right. Wow. So we don't have to believe these automatic reaction, emotional reactions that we have to things. And this is where the food thing ties in so much to the emotional trauma. Because so let's say you were mugged on the train, right? And so every time you go see a train, maybe your automatic emotional response is, ooh, fear, ooh, I don't like that, right? Or maybe every time you see a guy that looks like it, you think, ooh, fear, ooh, I don't like that. You have a body reaction, right? So now you have to train a new reaction into your body, right? And of course, there's deeper work that has to go along with something that's super traumatic. But on a very surface level, we have to retrain our body reaction. And this is what I've been working on with my clients with eating. So let's say you have a stressful trigger, just like Pavlov's classical conditioning with the dogs with the bell, right? They brought, showed the dog's food, dogs would salivate. Then they bring the dog's food. They ring a bell when they show the dog's food, they salivate. Eventually they did, did that enough. They could just ring the bell and the dogs would salivate without any food being present. So we do this to ourselves with our conditioning. So let's say we have a stress trigger of nobody loves me and I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life or whatever it is. And your automatic body response to that is eat donuts. Okay. And so once we get that awareness, it's like, oh my gosh, every time I have that trigger, that bell rings, I have this body response. And it's almost like your body goes through it on autopilot. So once you get that awareness, that's what, that's what I've been working with on my clients is like, okay, let's train a new body response. And because every single time you repeat that same response, you are literally training yourself to emotionally eat. You are conditioning yourself just like Pavlov's dogs. Yeah, you're so just deepening it by practicing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Every time you do it, you're driving that behavior into your subconscious, into your body, right? And so think about it. Like, do you have habits when you first wake up? Mine are on autopilot. I'm half asleep still, but I'm making my bed. I'm moseying over in my closet. I'm putting my gym clothes on. I go straight in to brush my teeth. I'm not even thinking about it. My body remembers it because I do it every single morning the same way. And so with eating, we do that same thing. So the first step is awareness. And I think that really does come through meditation. Um, that's been huge for me. And then it's like, okay, then consciously choosing wait. I'm about to emotionally eat because I had that trigger. What new pattern can I train in? Maybe I can get the freak out of this house and go walk for 10 minutes and then I can have my emotional eating episode, right? But like at least try to start training in a new response in your body and just watch your habits change. It's it's really quite magical. So Yeah, and the other and, and on another like this random note, but I don't know why I thought about it. So I I think it's been said, I don't know if Mark Sisson said it in one of his books, um, but uh, then maybe there was a study done on this, I'm not sure, um, but where like even just 
when you're at a restaurant, and you're like looking in the menu, you start to create, you know, your, your body's starting to get prepared. You know, you even start, to, can release a little bit of an insulin. So sometimes I say too, especially right. with food stuff, stop watching cooking shows. <laughs> it's like <laughs> kind of, unless you have to for work, which like you'd have to live in LA where I live and be a part of that team to have to watch those shows. I say, stay away from those while you're trying to get over it. Just like I would say, stay away from drama when you're trying to heal from depression or become a happier person, right. stay away from filtering your subconscious with things. And I do believe there's also kind of perhaps could be an insulin and or some kind of hunger response. Yeah. And so that's just yeah. a dumb, stupid hack, but still people don't think about it. But yeah, the food shows that you love to watch could be kind of affecting and be a part of this uh, spiral you're on, you know? Yeah, that biological response to a trigger. Absolutely. Tell us what, um, how do you, how can you work with people? I know you work with people in person, but you work with people remotely. Tell us how we can benefit from coaching with you. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. So I do train people one-on-one. So I do, most of my clients are online, right? So I do nutrition and training plans for people. And then we check in once a week. Um, but I also, right now what I have going on, that's pretty fun is I, um, have turned my keto in and out system into a boot camp. So you can do a, a month of keto and then a month of low carb on boot camp. So that's kind of the fun thing I'm doing right now. And if people want to find me, Instagram is like my whole life is on there. So it's coach Tara Garrison, T-A-R-A. And then that's also my website, coach com across the board on Facebook and everything. So yeah, um, I would say working with me one-on-one or in my, in my boot camps, they're super fun would probably be the best way to go. And those are those online boot camps? They are. Yep. Online. I got we we just did our first keto one and man, it's been fire. It's so fun. There's so much energy in the group. We have a Facebook support group. I do live calls in every week. And it's just been like we've got somebody in Italy right now. I was surprised. And you know, we've got about 80 people on the first one. It's just been so fun. There's so much fire with that community support. So yeah, it's it's pretty fun. That's awesome. I love that you're doing like the keto and then you go to the low carb. It's like, Hey, we're going to get flexible. Let's make it flexible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like metabolic, metabolic flexibility boot camp is really what it is. So yeah, it's pretty cool. That's amazing. So that's, that's kind of exciting. And you live in Utah, right? I do. Uh-huh. So much great outdoor beauty. Oh, it's amazing. And I'm, I actually, I'm starting retreats cause I have been so compelled. You know, people say, Tara, it's really great. You, ha- you can go to the mountains and stuff. Like we don't have stuff like that here. I'm like, Oh man, I got to get people out here. So that's, that's my next big project I'm working on is my inside out health retreats. So pretty excited to get people out and connected. To oh, that's amazing. Well, we will put everything in the show notes Thanks, to connect though. with you. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with? Oh man, you know what? Just be nice to yourself. Be so nice to yourself. Like that's probably, you know, I work with people one-on-one. So like I get to hear like really the heart of the matter and like, man, we're so hard on ourselves. I'd say if I could leave any message with all this, like you are doing your best, just keep doing your best and keep like killing those automatic negative thoughts and replacing them with good ones. So yeah, that's all. Excellent. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. And we will see you again soon. Thanks, Elle. Hi, Brad Kearns here with something different than a stiff commercial script message. I want to give you an authentic endorsement for one of my favorite supplements of all time. It's called Adaptogenic Calm. used to be called Primal Calm, and the key ingredient in this formula is called Phosphatidylserine, or PS. And this agent has been shown in hundreds of studies to blunt the catabolic effects of the stress hormone cortisol in the bloodstream that's released in response to all forms of life stress, whether it's a series of difficult workouts, extensive jet travel, 
Personal stress of any kind, we're constantly triggering the fight or flight mode in modern life. And when people say, hey, you should take a chill pill, this really is a chill pill. Because when you consume an appropriate amount of phosphatidylserine and the other supportive ingredients that have been known to have a calming effect on the central nervous system, things like magnesium, L-theanine, magnolia bark, and rhodiola, you will get a calming effect. It's not like a stimulant product that makes you feel more energy and have a better workout. But instead, this sort of takes the edge off of that stress buzz where you feel that foggy brain function, maybe a little shaky and finally fried at the end of a busy, stressful day. This stuff will help you clear your bloodstream from those catabolic stress hormones before they can do the damage. So I like to take significant quantities of it in and around stressful events, such as jet travel or in those heavy training cycles when you're really pushing your body and trying so hard not to fall into that overtraining, overstress, foggy brain function spiral downward. That's right, phosphatidylserine has also been shown to enhance cognitive function. It's commonly used in Europe on cognitive decline patients, and you can make that connection. 